You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. about happiness and what is it and why do I need it and what's it good for and all that kind of stuff and we want to understand why do we need to be happy why, why, why is that important in my life as a Christian why is it important that I choose to be happy and I put that I choose in there because let me tell y'all that is a choice you can make That is a choice just like whether or not that you're going to go to Wade's and get a cheeseburger or a salad. It's a choice. Figuring out what you want at the outcome of it, how you want to feel. So we're going to look at that happiness, and we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, 18, and we're going to finish this up this, uh, tonight, hopefully. But what we're going to look at is, Brother Aaron taught last Sunday about the bread of life. And he said, once you eat of that bread, you'll never hunger again. And I went back and, and I was looking at uh, in, in uh, Genesis where the, the manna was coming down. And it said it tasted as of honey and water, the best water. And how happy they was to have that taste there, Brother Stanley. And they was rejoicing. They had happiness. And so many times in life we have happiness as long as there's something earthly we want and it's happening right now. A couple of the youth have already wondered how many baseball statements am I going to make this morning. Here's the first one. The day before yesterday, Friday, Arkansas was extremely happy. They won 21 to 2. I believe. Is that right, Brother Cole? Extreme happiness, joy. There was, there was everything in the sermon there was, there was rejoicing. There was praise going up. There was thankfulness. And probably yesterday they was not as joyful. They was probably not rejoicing quite as much. And we'll rejoice so many times in worldly things. And when we look at what worldly things have to offer in a way of rejoicing, we're going to be down real quick. We're going to have good highs and we're going to have hard lows. But when we look at all these songs we sing this morning about what makes us happy and where our happiness lies, and I want to thank Brother Stanley for for really bringing them in this morning. Where is our happiness at? Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, and if you was to go back and look in uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, their question is, what about Jesus coming back? What about Jesus? When's he going to come back? And Paul said, y'all don't need to worry about that. That's going to happen. That's going to happen one day. But here's what I want you to worry about is something more simpler in life. Let's worry about, let's think about happiness and rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving. On Memorial Day, we, were, we went up to Mom and Dad's and we was uh, eating dinner up there. And, there's, and usually uh, when, when there's something free, there's always a cost. 
So we get up there and there's a free dinner. Well, right after dinner, Daddy said the potatoes need to be dug. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, you couldn't have said this before I eat two hamburgers. That would have been a lot better. So uh, we get up there and we get everything set with a tractor and we, we take and we go down the potato row and, and there they are. And y'all know me, I can't, uh, there's a lot of things that restrict me from bending over. One is, is a, a right here in my stomach. <laughs> so you, you work, you work with what you got. So I just kind of sit on the row and I go to scooting down through there, getting the potatoes and throwing them in the row. Well, I get to looking and I'm thinking there's two boys that are big enough to dig potatoes now. So happiness comes in form of a cell phone that you can call 400 feet down there to mom and dad's house. And I tell mom, I said, send them two boys up here so they can pick potatoes. Well, we got up there. Here they come, Lincoln and Samuel. And, and we, what do we do? I said, well, take these little red things. Some of them was pretty good size. Some of them was a little small. And I said, put them in the row. Then we're going to come back with our bucket and pick them up. Well, we started finding some worms. And so they was getting the worms and stuff. And we got about from me to coal to the end of the row. And I got to laughing so hard because Samuel looked up and he said, hallelujah, we almost there. <laughs> And, and, and I'll think about that, Brother Stanley. That's happiness. We're almost there. So, so hallelujah. So I've been trying to get Samuel to, to say hallelujah. But when we look on what happiness is, and there he was, he could see happiness at the end of the road. He could taste happiness there. He was rejoicing. He started singing, I'll fly away right after that. So uh, I knew I didn't have him much longer there. He was risen to be going back to Papa and KK's. But we look, how can I be happy? What is happiness? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18, Paul wrote to the Christians at Thessalonica saying, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, some of your versions may say in all circumstances or all of life events or whatever, but in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. The King James says, concerning you or for you. Amen. Why do I want to be happy? Think about that as we pray. Father, we come in prayer this morning. We thank you for this time that we get to come and worship you. Father, we should wake up on Sunday morning rejoicing more than any other morning. Praying more than any other morning. Being thankful that we have the opportunity to come and serve a risen Savior. To serve a sovereign God. One that looks out for all of our best interest in this world. Father, so many times in life we dwell upon what the world has to offer to bring us true happiness. And many times we don't see how in sorrow that happiness can come about. We don't see that you have everything laid out in front of us, taking care of it so much. Father, there's one here this morning, or definitely to myself about happiness. Just open my heart. Let me receive your word. Hide me behind your cross and just let your words be preached this morning. Father, we just pray that everything we do 
and say be for your honor and glory that we may rejoice in you, pray through you, and be thankful for what you've done for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, before we get started, I want to continue to remember Brother Tim. He's in Tanzania. Uh, they'll be back, I believe, at the end of, uh, I think they'll be back Saturday. Is that right? Saturday. Uh, I miss my little buddy. I miss working with Brother Tim. Tim was the type of person that always was happy at work. I couldn't make Tim mad. Anybody who's worked in the, <clears throat> excuse me, anybody who's worked in the industry or the, what I call the industry out in the manufacturing world has heard of a term called 5S. Any of y'all ever heard of that? I wish I'd have never heard of that word, that term. Amen. It means to sort, to sweep, to simplify, to shine, or there's a standardizing to sustain. What it means is put a label on everything and it can't be out of its place or you get in trouble. And nowhere have I seen 5S works. I've seen happiness follow, Brother Cole. We're all mad. So we'd be at work and, and we'd have to, to uh, on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we've got to sweep and mop the shop floor. We normally sweep it every day. And I'd come through there, I'd be throwing a fit, kicking the mop bucket, kicking anything I could, just unhappy about it. And Tim said, what's wrong with you? I said, well, it's stupid to mop here, Tim. I said, it makes no sense that we need to do this. It's going to be dirty tomorrow. Tim will look and say, they pay you to work on it, or they pay you to mop it. It pays the same. I thought, I cannot make this fella mad. He's just, <laughs> I just want somebody to agree with me. But when we start looking on, on the happiness, we start looking, what is happiness? What is it? Now, we have a Webster's Dictionary, and I know, you, can y'all see that? Okay. The agreeable sensations which spring from the enjoyment of good, that state of being in which his desires are gratified by the enjoyment of pleasure without pain. Oh, my goodness, happiness. There it is in the Webster's Dictionary. Joy says the passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good, that excitement of pleasurable feelings which is caused by success, good fortune, the gratification of desire, or some good possessed. Every one of these has something about getting from this world. We talk about rejoicing. We talk about how can I be happy? How can I rejoice? How can I do this? And Paul said, forevermore rejoice. Forevermore be happy. Be happy in what? What am I supposed to rejoice in? What am I supposed to be happy in? And it's happy in knowing that God's got this, Brother Stanley. That God is in total control. We rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ and His greatness and His fitness, His fullness, the glory of His person and His blood and His righteousness and His sacrifice and what He is in Himself and what He has made unto His people and what He has done and what Jesus is still doing for His people. We thank Him for rejoicing. There's many times in life that the there's not a place we think to rejoice. We think about when we get into the very lows of our life. When we get to a place that we think nobody else has been before. 
when all of our world is turned upside down and we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know even what to think anymore. And everything is piling down on us. Well, Brother Justin, how can I rejoice in that? How can I take that time and say, God, thank you for this misery that I'm in. Thank you for the pains that I'm going through right now. You say, how can I rejoice when I'm like that? Because guess what? God knows what you, where you're at. And God says, now I want you to rejoice in the fact that you can now come to me and be closer to me than ever before. When things are going good in the world, we rejoice more in our own satisfactions and our own accomplishments than what God has done for us. And when we get low and we get we're, we're everything's coming around us and we don't know what to do, we can know we can rejoice in who God is. And I get to thinking, and I don't mean, and I have no intentions to embarrass anybody. But the Thessalonians had already experienced this. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. When we rejoice, it is a choice. We are the ones commanded to be joyful. Rejoice evermore. And I don't mean to, like I said, I don't mean to, to uh, embarrass anybody. That is not my mindset. But we say, how can I rejoice when things are not where they need to be? How can I rejoice when things... Uh, when, when, when a loved one has passed away, how can I rejoice in them times? And I get to thinking about a certain woman in this church and the family that is here. I get to thinking about Miss Vivian Langhild. How can we rejoice in that? And I look now and I rejoice because there's Matthew and there's Madison, there's Courtney, Miss Kathy and Brother Howard. Every day I look, I rejoice. And out of a trying time of our life, we look, and God was working on that at all points of life to bring them to here in a trying time because the New Testament explains joy is often accompanied with sadness. Look at the joy that Jesus had on the cross, but guess what he was he doing? He was hurting. And we have that rejoicing coming to us and to, to be able to rejoice knowing that God has this. That God is in control and when, how do we get to that point where knowing that God's got this? He told him, he said, don't worry about all these other things. Live a life where you're able to rejoice in God and what he is doing. Don't rejoice in, in worldly things because worldly things will leave us upset. But remember, if you're not happy, if you're a Christian and you have a Christian never has a moment to be unhappy. And I'm preaching to me and I'm stepping all over my toes. I have beat that horse when I got, uh, I had surgery to that poor horse can't stand anymore. 
And I'm thinking, how can I be rejoicing in that? And we've talked about that before. Because when we're a Christian and things get down low and everything starts falling apart, you, you get down to that point and say, okay, the only thing I got left to do is look up to God and say, God, here I am. I can't take any more of this. What do you want me to do? And you look up and there God is thinking, you got the point, come on. And he picks us up, and we're able to start looking and saying, God, instead of saying, why I'm here, what can I do for you here? You put me here. Let me rejoice in being here. Let me rejoice in the times that you've given me here. Let me rejoice in the people I'm around, because that's how we must look is turn our sorrows and focus on true joy. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing all things. I don't have nothing here, but I can rejoice in heaven. I have a whole lot. I don't have no, uh, much here, but I can rejoice knowing that God has got control of this. He wants us to be cheerful. Never should we walk around as a Christian feeling sorry for ourselves. Never should we do that. Never should we talk about, God, why me? Why me? What did I do? What did I do to get here? I don't remember doing anything. And God says, it's not about what you've done. Rejoice in what I'm doing through you. Rejoice in what I'm doing for you. Rejoice in who I have put around you. Rejoice in who has picked you up. Rejoice who has toted you that last mile. Rejoice in everything that God is doing. And when we learn to rejoice, we learn to be prayerful. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. We talk about how can I rejoice and have joy when times are bad. Wherefore, seeing we are all, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy. Happiness, rejoicing, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus on that cross. And he was thinking about Brother Cole and about Miss Sarah. And every one of us on that cross he was thinking of. And he looked up and he said, God, it'll only be a little bit for the joy I'm fishing to get. And we think about our joy so much and we think about rejoicing and we lose track that our rejoicing is heavenward. It's not earthward. When we, we, we get to that point and we're low, we'll look up and say, God, I forgot how great it is to rejoice in you. To rejoice. When's the last time we prayed to God and said, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for let me rejoice in your sovereignty and your grace and your mercy that you chose me to be a Christian. You chose me to follow you. And whatever the world throws at us, we know that there is a greater joy in heaven. When we get to the place where we can rejoice forevermore, we get to the place where we can pray where we, how we need to pray. little story here. 
Minister says, so your mother says your prayers for you each night. What does she say? The youngster replied, thank God he is in bed. <laughs> a man was being pursued by a roaring lion. Feeling the beast's hot breath on his neck, knowing his time was short, he prayed as he ran. He cried out in desperation, oh Lord, please make this lion a Christian. Within seconds, the frightened man became aware that the lion had stopped the chase. When he looked behind him, he found the lion kneeling, moving his lips in obvious prayer. Greatly relieved as he turned at the turn of events, and of, he went and joined the lion in meditation, he approached the king of the jungle. When he was near enough, he heard the lion praying, and bless, O Lord, for this food, which I am exceedingly grateful. <laughs> So sometimes, just want to throw a little funny in there, we rejoice, but we have prayer. We have a prayer time. Think about your prayer time. And I want you to think about when your prayer time, where it is right now. Where's your prayer life at right now? If it's not the greatest, think about when it was the greatest and what you was going through. Think about where you was at when you prayed to God and had a praying attitude and a praying mind always. What was going on in your life? Remember, when everything is good, prayer is easy to say but hard to do. I'm praying. I'll pray for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to do this. And guess what we'll do? We'll forget. But he says, pray without ceasing. Pray always. And we let our lives or the, what's going on around us determine our mindset of prayer instead and let the joy of Christ and what he has done and is doing for us determine our mindset of prayer. We pray about circumstances that have happened instead of praying and asking God to show us what's coming. We'll pray about, Lord, how do I get out of here instead of thanking God for getting me out of here. Lord, how do I get through this situation? And it never fails. Let me tell y'all, as a Christian, it never fails. God always has something better on the other side. And yet we lose track of that so many times. We say, well, God got me the last 22 times. Is he going to get me this time? God delivered me every time, but I don't know if he's going to do it this time. Is our life an attitude of prayer and reverence to God? He said, pray without ceasing. Now, don't go down the road with your eyes closed and be praying and meet me on the highway because I don't want you to run over me. But have that attitude of prayer like, okay, I always get tickled. There are certain people in our lives that are prayer warriors, and we all have them. My mom is one of them and her sister. I think they, they try to figure out who can pray the most between them two. They're the prayingest people I've ever seen in my life. And it's wonderful. You'll go, if you want somebody to pray and you call over and say, Mom, I need you to pray, guess what? She, you know she's going to pray for you. It's no question, did Mama pray for me? You know Mama's going to pray for her because she has that attitude of prayer. And we, let, we cannot let the problems around us hinder our prayer time. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, he said, But I say unto you, love your enemies, 
Bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Prayerful. How is our prayer time? What are we praying about? Do we realize and rejoice in who we get to pray to? Because that's something we should rejoice in knowing that we have a God that we can go pray to. A God that has so much more figured out than we'll ever understand. And we'll understand it better by and by. One day we all will. But to go into a life of pray without ceasing, understand to have that attitude of prayer. To have that attitude that, hey, God has given me this gift, this responsibility, this commandment to pray without ceasing, to have an attitude that says, God, wherever I'm going, I want you to take control of it. Whatever's going on in my life, I want you to lead and open that door for me or close that door for me. And to understand when we pray to respond to God's prayers, to respond to his answer. And if that door is closed, so that's fine, God. You closed it for me. I'm going to stay right here for a minute, and you're going to open something else. I pray. But going through life and go, we know we dwell upon the things of tomorrow so much we'll let them interfere with our prayer time of today. Somebody at work got under our skin or we done something or said something we may not should have done or said or whatever it may be. And we'll think about that and we'll dwell upon that and we'll lose our mindset of prayer. And we'll just be miserable because I want you to think about your life, to go through life and never have anybody talk to you or never talk to anybody. God wants us to have that continual conversation, that continual one-on-one -on -one, uh, personal time with Him. And are we doing that? Is our prayer life praying without ceasing. Do people see that? Do they ask you, how can you be happy all the time? How can you rejoice when so much is going on? Here the, Thessalon the, the Thessalonians wanted to say, God, or Paul, when is Jesus coming? Hey, don't worry about that. Here, let people see that you have Jesus in you by the way you rejoice in what God is doing, by the way you pray without ceasing, and always by the way you're being thankful. We sometimes, or I sometimes, get mad when people aren't thankful. I don't have much, or me and Robbie don't have much, but we try to help out the best we can. Back when Chickadilly was open on Main Street, y'all knew it was going to come to food and sports up here. <laughs> so we, I, I wanted something from Chickadilly, and Robbie was in there with me. And uh, I can't remember what the total come to. Y'all can imagine with me eating it comes to quite a bit. And it was somewhere where, where I, there was a dollar and some change left. So it was either, you know, $18 or something or maybe $23 and something, whatever it may be. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to give her that for a tip. So there I am at the window and I give her the money. She gives me my, my change back and I give it to her. I said, here you go, sweetie. And she looked at me and she said, thank you. I said, well, I'll tell you what, give my money back. 
If you're not going to be any more thankful than that, I want what I have given you back. Well, thank goodness God is not that way. Thank goodness that God is saying, okay, you don't want that? Let me have it back. I'll give it to somebody else over here that is more thankful about it. And Paul told us, he said, go through life and be thankful in everything. Everything, every circumstance in our life, all circumstances, do we realize that God is there in all events in our life? Do we believe that? Do we understand that? Are we thankful for that? Because Paul was preaching to the Thessalonians here and he said, this is a commandment. Be thankful. Be happy. Rejoice. Pray. It is. This is the will of God. Being thankful. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, every circumstance, give thanks. We sometimes get upset about what life throws at us. You get, a, you get comfortable. My first neck surgery was done by Dr. Freddie Contreras out of Texarkana. It was successful. So what do we do? We fall in love with Brother Freddie Contreras. I'm able to walk. I'm able to move. He did an awesome job. My back surgery come by Freddie Contreras. Not long after my back surgery, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? He retired. How can I be thankful that the neurologist, neurosurgeon, whatever he was, is now gone out of my life? How can I be thankful for that? What am I going to do, God? I need this man in my life. He has saved me. He has healed me. And that door was open way before he ever left. That door was open to lead me to another doctor. To wonder, and I look and I'm thinking, why am I not thankful about everything like I should be? Nothing has ever went south with God. It's always went better. Everything that I have ever looked back on in my life, and I know you can say the same thing, that God made it better on the other side. And if it's not better on what we see, guess what? Heaven's going to be so much better that we'll forget about any of the bad things that ever happened in this life. But God has so much, He's got everything, and yet we so many times are not thankful and we forget to be thankful for what He is doing for us. I have a quote here, and I'm not sure who it comes from. It says, It is spiritually abnormal for Christians to be ungrateful. Think about where you was at. Think about where you was at the day you got saved, the day that you realized there is a heaven and there is a hell, that hell burns hot and it burns forever, and heaven is a place where Jesus sits. I don't know all the details about it, but I know I don't want to be in hell. Something was pulling you, drawing you to the Father. You give up your life to me and say, God, I don't know all the details, but I know I want to be with you. I know I want to be with you for, for now and forever. And we walk through life and we say we don't have nothing to be thankful for. We don't have nothing we can rejoice over, nothing we can pray over. Because a thankful spirit does not come naturally. 
Like when that girl said, looked out that window and said, thank you. Oh, that, that, that done it. That done it. I didn't give nobody a tip for a long time after that. It pushes us beyond our natural capabilities when difficult or painful situations invade our lives. To be thankful for all things is only possible by God's grace. To look back and say, God, why did you put me here? Why did you put me in this situation? And we look back and we say, he had it. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what I needed in my life. We're thankful for his unspeakable gifts. For the spiritual growth he has given, given us. For the victory we have. For the victory, we know that if something happens and God takes me home, I'm going home. I'm going there. He has promised he's going to come back. For being thankful for every breath he gives us. For every thing we have in life. When we look up and we're, we've got a good bucket of potatoes and we're right at the end of the road and we say, Hallelujah, thank you, Lord, we're almost done. Being thankful for everything. Even in times of great anxiety, fear, worry, and stress, a prayerful attitude of thanksgiving should characterize us as believers. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, to, 6 through 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you say, I want to be happy. And I, this quote come out of a commentary that I, I bought from uh, Brother Todd Ainsworth. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It says, There is no need for searching seminars, books, or fleeces. God's will is that we are to be joyful, prayerful, and thankful. And I misspelled and right there. Because we are his children. What am I, how am I going to be happy? What do I need to be happy? Well, let me tell you something this morning. If you're a child of God, that is enough to be happy about. That is all you need to be happy about. Everything else is going to come and it's going to go. But as a child of God that he chose you, he said, I want you to be rejoicing and be joyful, happy. I want you to be prayerful and I want you to be thankful because I am your God and you are my children and I'm going to take care of you regardless of what you think that you need is better in this world. I've got it. And it's God's will that we live a life saying, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me. I don't have a clue. But I know that in all instances of my life, you've never let me down. 
I know that in all trials that you've always been there stronger and stronger every time. That I know that regardless of where I'm at right now, I can rejoice knowing that you've got this. That I can be happy knowing that I'm here for a reason. God puts you, every one of us is at Antioch East Baptist Church this morning in Calhoun, Maynard, Arkansas because God purposed it before time ever existed that we be here. So instead of asking why am I here this morning, say, God, thank you for letting me be here this morning. I want to rejoice in being here this morning. I want to pray and thank you for getting the opportunity to be here this morning. And if God moves you somewhere else, be thankful for that. Rejoice in that because he's got everything. And we lose track of that. We sing the songs. Brother Matt gave the great scripture as he read this morning about how he knew us before we was ever there. How he laid and purposed everything for us. And we, if we believe the scripture, why don't we believe that God's got it? And why can't we be thankful and say, well, God, I've got this going on. Oh, God, thank you. Because I've got the opportunity to be around somebody different. Or I got the opportunity to meet somebody who needed prayer. Or I got the opportunity to pray a different prayer today. Or I got the opportunity to be thankful of something that normally I wouldn't have been thankful for. Remember, it's not what we want in life. It's what God wants us to have. And being thankful for that. So ask yourself this morning, am I happy? Paul laid it out as simple as you can put it. Rejoice evermore. Don't worry about when Jesus is coming. He's going to come. If we happen to go to sleep before he gets here, we're going to wake up. The Christian's going to wake up for it. I guarantee you that. But he says, don't worry about all these other things going on in life. Don't worry about the Democrats and the Republicans. Don't worry about this bill, that bill. What you need to concentrate on is rejoicing in what God has done for you, praying that he'll use you to be something special for him, and always being thankful that you have another day to live for God. That's as simple as happiness gets right there. Everything else will be gone. Nobody remember it. But do you want to be happy this morning? Are you happy? Are you rejoicing? Are you praying? Are you thankful? Think about that.